Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I am not a natural camper. Dave is a great camper. He loves the outdoors. Give him a sleeping bag and a bit of a tent and he's well away. I am not a natural camper. I struggle. And one of the things I struggle with is my stuff ends up everywhere. At home, I'm really tidy and organized. You put me in a tent and I'm an absolute disaster. My stuff is everywhere. I want to go brush my teeth. It takes me 45 minutes to find my toothbrush. I manage that. I come back. I want to find my deodorant. I've lost the deodorant. Then I want to find someone's T-shirt. I can't find that. I spend the whole day asking Dave, where's my bag? Where's this? Where's that? And we'd been in the camp for a couple of days. And every day I kept praying, Jesus, help me to pass this test of camping, to get through it. And we went out and we had a lovely day and we came back and once again I thought, I haven't seen my phone for a while, wonder where my phone is. Oh, I can't be bothered to look for it, I'll find it later. Anyway, we were that tired, we went to bed, woke up the next morning and I thought, I really should try and find my phone. So I start the hunt, disorganised, stuff everywhere, looking for the phone. After about half an hour, it starts slightly panicking. Dave, I can't find my phone. It's going to be around here somewhere, Leanne. You can't find anything. Carry on searching. No, Dave, I really can't find my phone. Let's try calling it. Phone's ringing. No noise. Is is your phone on silent? Dave says, definitely not. It's not on silent. I can't hear it. That means we've lost it. I phone up. About an hour later, I phone up my company. I've lost my phone. Please cancel everything. Shut it down. I've lost it. So we go out that day, and you know when you're like, you're enjoying the day, but you're like, oh, it's really bad losing your phone, everything's on there. The end of the day, we drive back to the place we went to the day before and have a walk round. It's a needle in a haystack. You're never really going to find a phone in a seaside village. We find nothing, and we're driving back, and suddenly I said to Dave, I don't think my phone's on, I think my phone is on silent. I remember taking a photo and there being no noise and thinking, my phone's on silent. So Dave said, well, maybe it is in the caravan. So we get back again. Dave calls it and I'm like, shh, don't make a noise. And we're listening for the vibration of the phone. And suddenly I hear something vibrating in the back. So I'm throwing all the other bags, making even more mess. Suddenly I'm like, it's, it's that back there. It's that back there. The bucket and spade bag. There was the phone, underneath the dirty buckets, the dirty spades. Dave said, how did it get there? And I said, you know what probably happened? We came back yesterday. There was Leanne unpacking the bags, things getting into a mess again. And I probably threw it somewhere, thinking, I'll get that in a minute. And somehow or another, it ended up with the buckets and spades. Has anybody else lost a phone? Anyone brave enough to admit this? Thank you, Seth. 
See, there's more hands coming up now. There's freedom here. There's more hands coming up. More hands. See, I've just seen at least seven or eight hands, and some of you are hiding it. You've probably lost your wallets instead. Come on, show of hands for the wallets instead. Or per- Yeah, see? See, it feels good admitting it. Feels good. You see, the truth was, it was nobody else's fault apart from mine that I'd lost my phone. I couldn't blame Dave as much as I wanted to. I couldn't blame the children as much as I wanted to. It was Leanne's fault. I'd not taken proper care of my phone. I'd not looked after it. I threw it down, probably thought, I'll come and sort that out later. Maybe it got kicked, ended up in a bag. It was my fault. I'd lost my phone because I'd not taken care of it. And the truth is, we've all got things in our life that we've got to take care of. It might be you've got children that you've got to take care of. We can't just leave them in a shop and say, I'll come back for you in a couple of hours. We've got to take care of them. You may have a home, whether you've uh, mortgaged it, it's yours, or whether you rent a home, you've still got to take care of it. You've got to clean it. You've got to switch the taps off after you've brushed your teeth. You've got to lock the front door when you leave it. You've got to take care of it. You might have a car that you've got to take care of. You've got to put petrol in it. Once a year at least, you've got to take it for a service or an MOT. You've got to lock it. Maybe you even get it washed and clean it. You've got to take care of it. Maybe you've got pets, dogs, cats that you've got to take care of. You go on holiday, maybe you give those pets to someone else to take care of. Maybe you love to take care of your body. Maybe you're like, I'm, I like to work out, I like to eat healthy, I like to put good moisturiser on. You've got a body to take care of. Truth is, we've all got lots of different things in our lives that we've got to take care of, that we've got to look after, that we've got to do our best with, because everything needs taking care of. But if I were to ask us a question this morning... What is the one thing that you think you should take care of, look after the very most? I wonder what it is that you'd say. Any thoughts? Shout it out. And I'm going to give you a clue. It's something you've got with you right now. Purse. Any of us. A relationship with God. Any, any calls from over this side? The one thing. Your heart. Thank you, Annie. Spot on. Actually, your heart, the thing that we've all got with us right now in this room, is the one thing above everything else that the Bible says to take care of. But Leanne, how about my home's really important to me? My job's really important to me, my career. My relationships with other people, my friendships are really important to me. Yeah, they are. All those things are really important to us. But actually the Bible says the one thing that we've really got to take care of the very most is our heart. Now, when I say heart... I'm not referring to the vital organ that pumps the blood 
around our body. Even though, yes, that is significantly important. And if something happened to that, we'd all know about it pretty quickly. But this morning, what I'm referring to is what the Bible describes as our heart, which is our mind, our, it's our emotions, and it's our will. Our mind, our emotions, and our will. That is what the, heart, the Bible describes as your heart. You see, the Bible, the heart is mentioned in the Bible almost 300 times, almost. If something is mentioned that many times, we've got to sit up and think, well, hang on, this is, this is pretty important stuff. This actually means something. And there's lots and lots of different passages in the Bible about our heart. But there's just one that I'm going to touch on before we move on. And it's found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And it should be coming up on our screen in just a moment, so you can follow that there. If you have your Bible, feel free to turn to it as well, as I turn to my Bible and we'll read it together. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. You see, that word there, guard, it means many different things. It means to be aware, to think, to be diligent, to take deliberate action to guard your heart. You see, I am sure the majority of us, when we go out, we don't just stroll out of our homes, leave our doors wide open, hope and pray that the wind will slam it behind us and that we won't need to lock it because it will be safe. We close the door, we put a key in it, we lock it, or we turn the latch, or whatever our system is, because why we want to take care of our home. We want to guard our home. And in the same way, our heart is of most value. And here, Proverbs 4 is saying, guard, be aware, be diligent, take deliberate action to look after your heart, because... Because everything you do, everything you do, everything you think about, everything you look at, everything you do flows from where? From your heart. It flows from your mind, from your emotion and your will. You are a picture in work of your heart. Your mouth is the pulse of your heart. Your mouth will sometimes show what's going on in your heart. Your heart, your mind, your will and your emotion, everything is driven from that place. Everything you are flows from your heart. See, your heart is the real you. 
It's the real you. Facebook's not the real you. Your phone is not the real you. The clothes that you wear are not the real you. The colour of your skin, the outside of you, the car that you drive, how much money is or isn't in your bank account isn't the real you. The real you is your heart. The real you is your mind, your will, and your emotion. That's where we meet Steve. It's his heart. What Steve's will, emotion, and my like. That's his heart, and that's where we meet the real Steve. Your heart is your driver. It's your driver. Your heart is the real you. And see, God says... Particularly in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 17, that actually the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, we can get so caught up in the outward. And hear me, the outward is important. God wants you to take care of your outward. God wants you to be the best you can be on the outward. But it's not just about the outward. It's actually far deeper. See, we can just look at the outward and think, well, they look like they've got it all together. Or they so don't look like they've got it all together. But maybe they've got it together, the person that doesn't look quite so good, more than the person over here that's got the outward. Because here, Samuel was looking at some fine young men who could potentially be king, handsome, tall, good body. Surely, look, surely they match up. But God say, no, I look at the heart, the heart. And this morning, friends, God's no different. He's looking at your heart again. He's looking at my heart again. And he's saying, hey, this is the real you. And I wonder what we're seeing. I wonder what's going on. A couple of weeks ago, this is a true story. I told Dave as soon as I got home. I was preparing a bit of food and um, I had a nice pack of 12 fairy cakes. Not for me, they were for someone else. And uh, I was preparing this food and I picked up this packet of fairy cakes. And for some reason, I don't know why, I just paused when I picked up the packet. And I looked in the packet and suddenly, to my absolute horror, Inside the packaging, heading towards one of the fairy cakes, was this little earwig. It's probably the best way to describe it, inside the packaging of the cakes. I sort of like froze and I thought, that is disgusting. It's a good job I did not open those cakes, put them on the plate and serve them to the people that I was intending to serve them to. Could have been bad. So me being me. I'd got to go shopping to the certain shop where they'd been purchased from anyway, which I won't mention because that would be unfair. 
And so I went to this certain shop. I'd got some bits anyway. I went to the till and in a really discreet voice, because I didn't want to embarrass the cashier, I said to her, I just um, asked, opening these packs of cakes, I went, look, there's something in there. And I thought, please let me be able to find it or I'm just going to look like I'm trying to get something free. But as we turned it, there it was. And the cashier was like, I'm so sorry. She said, I do not know how that could have got in there. So she rang the buzzer and the manager came over and now we're all talking quiet. And I'm like, I just, she's like, this is what, and he's right, give me those. He shot off in the back, said, we'll give you a refund. We're very, very sorry. And anyway, it's all fine. No harm done. No one ate anything. I got the money back, went off home. But I kept thinking about these cakes, almost as if I thought, I feel like there's maybe, maybe even something in that. Maybe even like a little lesson that God's wanted me to think about. And do you know where I thought? Those cakes were meant to be something great, something pure, something enjoyable. But something had seeped in. It shouldn't have been there. It wasn't designed to be there. But somehow or another, it had made its way in. And slowly, those cakes could really have been infected. Not nice. Germs on them. And you know what, friends? When we come to Jesus and we enter into a relationship with him, Jesus says, I want to create in you a pure heart. I want to create in you a clean heart. I want to show you ways that you can guard your heart above everything else. But the reality is, stuff seeps in. Stuff gets in. Whether we realize it or not, it can seep in. And this morning, I'm going to throw out just a few simple thoughts from the life of Joseph. How can we guard our heart? Above all else, how can we look after our heart? And what can we learn from Joseph about that? Well, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 37. And we're just going to skip in and out the story of Joseph. It's a long story. So we've not got time this morning to look at too much detail But Genesis chapter 37, verse 28 says this. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the system and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Joseph was flung in a pit. His brothers then sat and had lunch. And then eventually they decided, let's sell him. Let's get a bit of cash. Let's get rid of him and make up a whole pack of lies to our father. Wow. Talk about your heart taking a good beating of hurt and disappointment. The hurt, the disappointment, the betrayal that Joseph would have felt would probably far surpass what we could even imagine being treated like that. And for many of us, thankfully, that sort of encounter's not happened to us. But I'm sure many of us, if not all of us in this room, have suffered hurt and disappointment. Someone has let us down. 
someone said they'd do something and they didn't turn up with the goods. Someone betrayed us. Someone said stuff to us and words to us that still ring in our minds today. Someone offered and promised us so much but gave nothing. Maybe for some of us we've put so much emotion into a relationship, whether it be a man-woman relationship or a friendship or a business relationship, at the end of it, just to be hurt, just to be disappointed. Friends, even in church, we can get hurt and we can get disappointments. This is not a safe haven from hurt and disappointment at times, but the difference is the word of God shows us how we can work through our hurt, how we can process our disappointment and how we can come out the other side better for it, more mature for it, stronger for it. Hurt and disappointment can come into our heart and can start to make our heart be something God doesn't actually want it to be. But the amazing thing is we see later on in the story that Joseph chose to forgive. He'd been hurt. He'd been disappointed disastrously. But he chose to forgive. He chose maybe to shake it off. I don't think it was one shake off, two shakes off, three shakes off. I think Joseph, through his years, had to choose to forgive and choose, I'm going to shake off that hurt. I'm going to shake off that disappointment. Because why? He wanted to guard his mind, his will, and his emotion. So number one, friends, we've got to guard our heart from hurt and disappointment. It will come, and it will come in various blows from various people at various seasons. But we've got to guard our heart. We've got to guard our heart from hurt and disappointment. Secondly, come with me a few chapters on to Genesis chapter 39, verses 11 to 12. This is talking about Joseph. He's been in the pit. He's been sold, and now he's working in Potiphar's house. One day, he, Joseph, went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. Next verse. That's fine, we'll just read that once more. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She, that's Potiphar's wife, caught Joseph by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. So Joseph, here he is working for Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife really fancies Joseph to the point where she's like, we've got an opportunity. There's no one here. We could slip into bed. Nobody will know about it. What a man. What a man. 
what does he do? He runs. He runs to such a degree and speed and quickness that she is left with his cloak. Maybe she'd been pulling him. Come on. And he ran and she'd got his cloak left in her hand. What was he doing? Was he scared? I don't think he was scared. Did he not fancy her? Maybe he did. She was probably an attractive woman. But what was Joseph doing? I believe he was guarding his heart from sin and temptation. Above all else, he was guarding his heart from sin and temptation. You see, he could have said, now, come on, let's sit down and have a coffee and chat this through. How much do you fancy me? Let's just be friends. No. He thought, I'm getting out of here. I'm, getting, I'm, I'm too close to the lion. If I stay here with her for much longer, grabbing hold of my clothes, I'm going to go over the line. I'm getting out. I'm not talking about it. I'm not compromising. I'm not going to process this through with her. I'm running. I'm getting out of here. Because he wanted to guard his heart. He wanted to guard his will, his mind, and his emotion. You see, Joseph knew the value of his heart. Do you know the value of yours? Your heart, your will, your mind, and your emotions are precious. They are the most precious thing that you have. And you've got to look after them. You've got to take deliberate action to guard your heart. No flirting with ideas. No flirting with our emotions, our will and our mind. No getting too close to the edge. But guarding our heart, our, our heart, our will, our mind and our emotions. And come with me. Our last part, looking at the life of Joseph. Genesis chapter 45, verses 2 to 3. And we're skipping here a few chapters, so to give you the picture, after Potiphar's wife accused Joseph, she accuses him of raping her for doing the right thing, for guarding his heart, he gets thrown into another pit, another prison, second time round. But as Joseph chooses to guard his heart, his will and his emotion, guess what happens? God's will finds him. And promotes him and elevates him second in command to Pharaoh. And all these years later, suddenly, he finds his brothers in front of him. They don't know it's him. He's second in command to Pharaoh. They come asking for food. There's been a terrible famine that's hit the nation. Thanks to Joseph's wisdom, the country has food and here's what Joseph happens to him when he sees his brother. We'll go from verse 1. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, make everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. Verse 2. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard about him. And Pharaoh's 
household heard about it. You see, Joseph sees his brothers and cries. What's the big deal? What does that show us? I'll tell you what it shows us. First of all, Joseph guarded his heart from hurt and disappointment. Secondly, Joseph guarded his heart from sin and temptation. But thirdly, Joseph guarded his heart from having a heart that was hardened. Joseph's heart never hardened. Hang on, I've been hurt and disappointed. Then someone accused me of raping them and I got thrown in prison. And now the people that started it all off in the first place are standing in front of me and I have all the power. No, Joseph's heart was still soft. It was still sensitive. It was still soft in God's hand. See, Joseph had a soft and sensitive heart, yet he had a strong heart. He was a strong man, a strong man, but still with a soft and sensitive heart. Joseph never allowed his heart to become hardened. If he had allowed his heart to become hardened, I don't think he would have welcomed his brothers back into his life again. He could have put them to death. He could have said, you've been that nasty to me. You're dead to me already. But no, he welcomed them. He welcomed them because his heart was good. His heart was soft and his heart was sensitive You see, Joseph had learned how to have a soft heart, yet hard feet. Soft heart, yet hard feet. What that means is that our spirits and our heart, our mind, our will and our emotions keep soft and sensitive to God, yet we can walk through some hard situations without becoming completely crumpled and completely broken. And that's a tough balance, friends, to have a soft heart, yet to have hard feet that can endure whatever life throws at us. You see, I actually called this message the heart test. God gives you heart tests. He throws stuff into your life to test your heart. He throws situations into your life to see. Let's see how your heart reacts. Let's see what your will, your emotion and your mind, how they choose to behave in this particular situation. God gives us heart tests. Joseph had loads of heart tests. Read the book. Read the book. But guess what? He passed them all. He passed them all. And God is saying, come on, friends, you can pass. You can pass the heart test. Come on, friends, guard your heart. Above everything else, guard your heart. I can probably say for me, in the past six months, I've had two of those tests in my life. Two out of those three where I've thought, whoa, I'm in a a test of my heart. My mind, my will, my emotions are being tested. 
How am I going to come through? How am I going to react? How am I going to behave? How am I going to guard my heart and keep guarding my heart and guard it again and keep guarding my heart and keep guarding my mind, my emotion and my will? Because friends, the tests do come. But God's saying, I'm going to give you the strength to pass the test. I'm going to give you the strength to guard your heart. And I just want to finish today with asking you, how's your heart? How's your heart? Where's your will, your mind and your emotions at? Like the phone, it's nobody else's responsibility but yours to guard your heart. We can't shift the blame onto someone else. My heart is like this because of that person and that person and that thing and that. No, it's your responsibility to guard your heart above everything else. Friends, listen to the little hunches. Listen to the little voice of the Holy Spirit. This is one of the greatest things that helps me. What I mean by that is you may be in a situation. You may be about to make a decision. You may be in a conversation. You may be about to spend an amount of money. And you might get that little thought, that little restlessness, that little, oh, I'm not sure if this is right. Oh, I just feel I need to maybe think and pray on this a little bit more. Oh, I feel a bit hesitant. Oh, I think I'm playing a bit close to the line. Oh, listen to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will best teach you how to guard your heart and your temptations will not necessarily be the things that trip me up and the things that come against my heart to seep in and in fact will not necessarily be the same for you. We're each playing to a different game, we're each made differently but the thing for all of us is we've all got to guard our heart We've all got to guard our will, our mind, and our emotion above everything else. Why? Because that is the driver. Because out of our will, our mind, and our emotion comes everything. Comes the rest. Comes your life. Comes your language. Comes your actions. Comes your money expenditure. Comes your relationships. Comes your success or failure. Comes out of your heart. It comes from the wellspring of your heart. And in closing, Psalm 139 verse 23 says this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. King David saying to God, search me, God, and know my heart. Search me, God, and know my mind, my will, and my emotions. And friends, can I implore us 
can I encourage us on a regular basis? Sit yourself down with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. With a bit of time and a bit of truth, sit yourself down. Take yourself to time out and have a time where you're going to say, I'm going to examine my own heart right now. I'm going to examine my own mind, will and emotions because no one else is responsible for doing this apart from me. So God, as I sit in this quiet place, as I go for this walk, as I do this activity at the same time, engaging my brain, help me, God, help me, Holy Spirit, to examine my heart. And as you do that on a regular basis, maybe once a week, once a month, once every few months, God will search you. And he'll show you. Maybe there are anxious thoughts in you that God's saying, we need to get to the bottom of this one. We need to work through this one. There is stuff tucked away in some corners of your mind, your will, your emotion that we need to work on. But guess what? God is a gracious God. He will do it through love and through grace. But this morning I ask each one of us, including me, including you. How's your heart? How's your mind, your will, and your emotion? Because out of it flows everything. Your heart is the real you. I'm just going to pray this morning. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.